And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. Today's guest is Ellen Wilton. Ellen had a near-death experience after being kicked in the head by a horse. During her NDE, she experienced some tremendous, impactful spiritual lessons and was drawn back to her body by music. Ellen, thank you so much for joining me today and welcome. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited to share my story. Well, on that note, uh, can we start on the day that your NDE happened? Yes, absolutely. I was I was 12 years old, excited to ride horses. It was um, one of my favorite things to do. And I went to my lesson, and apparently the cinch wasn't pulled tight enough, and the cinch slipped at the end of the lesson. And I was riding, apparently holding on underneath the horse for a while, fell off the horse, it stepped on my stomach, and then reared up and kicked me in the right temple. And that's kind of when the whole journey began. It was the day that changed my life. Let me stop you there for one second. A cinch is, I guess, a strap that holds the saddle on. Yes. And horses are known to expand their belly because they don't like the feeling of the cinch underneath their belly. They don't like it. So they, they breathe in the air, hold it until the cinch is on and then they let go. And then there's this loose area between the belt and the, and the belly of the horse. Mm. So off you go, you get kicked in the head and then what happened? Well, then I was taken to a nearby hospital, um, in Hillsboro, Texas, where they, um, they did the initial test on me and found that I was very deeply in a coma and I was kind of care transported to a hospital in Waco, Texas. It was the same team that worked on JFK actually. They had a better neurology team and so that's where I ended up going. But I was apparently so deeply in the coma that they told my parents to try to play things at my bedside. Maybe they could um play music or uh, old movies that I loved or home movies to try and stimulate my mind a little bit more. And that's when my parents chose um, chose some music at some movies. After about a week, they moved into a musical score. And that's kind of when the magic began because I don't remember any of that, right? I just remember my experience and waking up. But what they chose to play at my bedside actually played a great role in my story because that's why I went into music therapy. So I'd be happy to share it. I'll just start from the beginning. Sure. I found myself uh, not in a scary place. You know, people talk about being in a coma and how it's dark and then void. It wasn't like that. It was really nothing. And I went from a place of nothing and being nothing and seeing nothing to being on a raft. I was on a wooden raft. And I was surrounded by pink clouds. So the pink clouds um, represented heaven and hell, interestingly enough. On each bank of the river, I was kind of on this river of clouds. The right was heaven and the left was representing hell. But I wasn't scared. I couldn't see anything. It was just how my mind kind of constructed this place. And in front of me was Jesus. And to my left was a man, young, thin, bald, in long brown robes that felt very familiar, very safe, very comforting, very protective, but he never communicated with me. And I didn't know at the time who he was. I found out later in my life and it became a big part of my journey as well. Um, But from this place, Jesus could communicate with me through his thoughts. Um, And so in my mind, I knew I was safe. 
I knew I was welcome. I knew I was loved. And I was then taken from that raft up into this place of light. And this place of light was, was beautiful. It was so bright. It was, there were colors everywhere. There was music that I'd never heard before. It was even instruments that I'd never heard before. And I felt this blanketing of love around me. That was the main part of it is I could feel a weighted love almost as if I was just surrounded palpably my body, though I didn't have a body there. And all of a sudden I just melted into the love. I, I went from feeling it so comforting around me to becoming that love. And I knew I was okay. I was part of something bigger. I was absolute love, unconditional. It was, uh, it was the most beautiful feeling I've ever had. It really, really was. And I could have been there a day. I could have been there a year. I could have been there many lifetimes. I don't even know, but I felt whole. And it was from that place that I was brought back to the raft. And the raft is where I received the messages, the information, and the choice to come back. So on the raft, this time Jesus was actually communicating with me. I was told that I could either stay there or I could come back to earth. And all of my being wanted to stay. To be honest, I, I didn't, I didn't want to come back. I wanted to stay in that feeling of being loved and connected and whole and part of something greater. But I knew that I had a purpose and I knew then so many messages because all of these messages would come through to me there in that moment all at once. I knew everyone has a purpose. Everyone has meaning. We can make the most of our lives to change the world. Um, that there was no right or wrong. Like I could have chosen either way and I knew that either way would be okay. And I remember that very clearly. There's no right or wrong, no judgment. It's all, it all happens as it should. And then I was shown the path of my family And this was a really key point for me because I don't hear this often in other NDEs, but I was shown that my father wouldn't actualize his purpose on life if I chose to stay in heaven. And I was shown the trajectory of my brothers and it became very important to me, their story. And that was part of why I chose to come back. Because I, you know, I knew that it would affect them, even though there was no right or wrong, it would affect them. And there were many other messages there on the raft about gratitude, about the things that we worry about on this earth, not mattering. And I hate to say it like that, but we get so caught up in our thoughts, in the story that we create around our thoughts and relationships and all these things that we tell ourselves that we believe We buy into the story, but all that worry takes us away from the purpose of actually living in the moment and being here for a reason. And I remember that. And that changed everything for me after I woke up because then I knew, well, this doesn't matter. I'm going to let this thought go. This is just a distraction. Um, But that that's for, for later. What I decided in that moment was I decided that I would come back and live. And the moment I made that choice, 
I was so overwhelmed by gratitude for getting the opportunity. It's like when I made the choice, that's when my spirit and soul knew that it was the right decision and that, and that I, there was so much more that I could do with this. So I felt this swelling in my heart and I talk about it now because we all have that ability to just sit in gratitude and feel our hearts expand to the point where there's nothing else. There's no room for anger or dissension. There's no room for um, resistance or fear. It's all love and gratitude. And so I sat with this gratitude for so long and I, I felt like I almost visibly felt like I fell to my knees. That's kind of how I would, would say it now, even though I didn't. And I, I gave a vow. I said, if I can go back and live, I will give thanks every night, every day that I get to be here because I know it's a gift and I will use music to heal people. And I made that choice right then. And it was beautiful and wonderful. And then the coolest thing happened. This is the coolest part of the whole experience. I went into darkness, but it was a warm, loving, kind of nurturing darkness. And far in the distance, I saw a staff of notes and the notes were all different colors, but I couldn't hear anything. It was as if only one sense would work at a time. And I saw this staff getting closer and closer and I saw the music notes changing and moving along the staff as if it was like animated music, getting closer and closer until finally it went through my head. It was so large that I went through the music and then I heard this tiny little pinprick of sound, almost so inaudible that you wouldn't even know. I mean, it was it was very difficult, kind of like when you're waking up and you hear something, but you're not really sure and you focus so, so hard. Everything in my being was focused on that sound. Every single ounce of my attention went there. And I, I swear it doesn't sound hard, but it was one of the hard, probably the hardest thing I've ever done to pull that to me and pull myself to it was so hard. And I kind of liken that to me coming back into my body. I think that's how a lot of people describe it. It was just, it was this kind of pulling sensation, like forceful pulling back in. I was working to get to that music until it became so loud. This tiny inaudible sound became so loud in my head that it was booming. And that's when I opened my eyes. And everything else stopped. I didn't hear anything. I opened my eyes. I was in the ICU in that Waco hospital looking at the, you know, the, what is that? A screen kind of, or what is it that you pull the curtain pulled around the bed that I could see. Then the nurse came running over and then I slipped back out of consciousness again and, and started my recovery. But from that moment on, I knew I was supposed to use music for healing and I I went into music therapy as a career and, and many other messages validated that later in life. Yeah. I'd like to ask you a few questions before we move on. Sure. One thing that you said right at the beginning was that when you were on the raft and on in the clouds, this is what my mind created. So are you saying that all this was a fabrication of your mind or what did you mean by that? I believe when I was in the place of light, I was on a different level. I wasn't in my body, but I've, I've since 
you know, all that we can do as experiencers is create a framework in which to understand our experience because there's no human way to describe it. And I believe there's an in-between place in between where we go to heaven or this place of light or the other side. And we, this in-between place, I believe is connected to our history, our experiences that help us understand where we're going. I think had I been taken straight from my body into this place of light, I wouldn't have been able to conceptualize it. And that's what I think the tunnel is for some people and people who see the tunnel. I believe that that is a transitional place that takes us from what we know to source. Hmm. And so I say that because, you know, I saw Jesus in front of me on the raft because that's what I grew up knowing. And that's what I grew up understanding. But in the place of light, on the other side, there was no one religion. It was all love. There was no label. There was no judgment. There was no right way or wrong way. It was all love, 100%, like absolute. There's, there's just no, there's nothing else. There's no, it's not one name. And so I realized later that the man to my left was actually Buddha. And that knowledge came to me in an experience at a Buddhist university in grad school uh, that I was led to that I wouldn't have known otherwise. And so I say that my mind created that in-between place, not because it wasn't real, not because they weren't really there and they weren't communicating with me because they were. It's just how else could a 12-year-old child really understand it if there weren't that framework? Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm glad that you cleared that up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was more real, that experience was more real than anything I have experienced in my life. I mean, ever. I think it's pretty common for people to say that that experience is more real than even being here. Yes. Oh, 100%. You know, I can't remember anything from before my head injury except for a few memories that came through because I had brain damage. Mm-hmm. I lost all my memories before that. However, mm-hmm. that memory, crystal clear. And even now I have retrieval issues and sometimes can't find the words. I mean, sometimes I still have that, but that, no, that's clear. That doesn't change. That's, <laughs> it's, it's magical. It's amazing. It's, yeah. Now you were saying that there's a lot of stuff in our life that we pay attention to that we don't need to be paying attention to. There's a lot of drama or, or, or whatever, et cetera. Can you tell us why do you think that we pay attention to all the stuff that we don't need to be? Well, I can't tell you why, but I can tell you that the key to connecting to source and the key to finding happiness and presence is to learn how to release those thoughts. And this is something I didn't know how to do when I came out of the coma. It's just something I did. I came out of the coma and then... You know, I would start to worry about what someone was thinking. Because think about it. I was a teenage kid at the time. I was just getting into my preteens. And that's the time when you worry and care a lot about what other people think and like how you look to other people. Well, I learned very early that I was just going to be me and not worry about that stuff as much. And it still slipped in because we're human. And then when I got to grad school, 
um, I decided to go into transpersonal counseling psychology, mostly because it had a dual master's with music therapy. And I knew that I wanted to be a music therapist and I was meant to heal people. But when I went to this school, it was almost as if I was led to this school because it was founded as a Buddhist university by the Dalai Lama, from, from my understanding. It's the only one of its kind in the world. And when I was there, I learned the practice of presence and meditation. This is something I had not been exposed to, but I was supposed to learn because it's that practice of letting go of negative thoughts that helps to create our reality because what we think we experience. And if we allow negative thoughts to come in or fear-based thoughts or anxiety to come in, that's what we see in the world. But if we learn an experience of releasing the negative thoughts, connecting to positivity, that's what we create and cultivate and manifest, which is another lesson from the other side. We are actually meant to have everything that we want to have. And also death isn't scary. It's a journey into our wholeness and the fear around it is so pervasive in our culture that it surprises me because it really is a beautiful place. And, and honestly, I mean that, that whole piece of manifesting is something I feel many people don't recognize. Like I have this, this board behind me of all the things that I want to do. And after creating these, this list, I start just checking it off. Like I'm okay. It's just happening because I put it on paper I believe that we can co-create with source. We hold source energy within us. We are that energy. And um, the more we live in our purpose and helping others and giving back our light, the more we can create for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So it, it's just been, and that's been coming through a lot this year, especially with all that's been going on, a lot more messages about how to co-create with source. Mm -hmm. I like everything that you're saying. And I've done so many of these NDEs that it's a common thing for people to say that they come here to learn lessons. Mm -hmm. And it's very common that I hear that most people, even without NDEs, are suffering in life and not happy in life and, and not co-creating, as you're saying. Mm -hmm. And some people, I think, will say, well, that's what we're supposed to be doing here is like we're here to learn these suffering lessons and then we go back. What is your take on that? Oh, my. Well, I mean, yes, we can be here to serve lessons. Yes, we are here to create and learn and move and evolve spiritually. Maybe that is our purpose. But the stories we put around the lessons change everything. Mm -hmm. So if you think, well, this is happening to me, I'll give you an example. About two years ago, my husband at the time came to me and said that he wanted a financial separation. And I was devastated. Mm -hmm. Three children. 20 years together, I thought, wow, this is a surprise. You know, doesn't love me anymore, doesn't want to work on it for financial reasons, wants a separation. Why don't you want a divorce? Oh, because I might change my mind. This is what I heard at the time. These are the words that came to me. And so, yes, I grieved. I decided, well, I want a divorce because obviously if there's no love and no reason to work on it, well, that's what I choose devastated. Yes. But I knew there was a greater reason and I was open to signs that it was. So I said, this is my choice and I'm going to stay open to validation because when we make a choice, the universe will tell us if it's the right choice, if we are open to the signs. So I received information. I, I got a call the next 
like the next day from the Dr. Oz show, they had interviewed me at an IANS experience and they wanted to have me on to share my near death experience. And I thought, well, that's validation. Um, it, my segment never got on cause it was right before COVID and the segment got cut, but still validation. I started receiving all of these, um, in, invitations to share my spiritual journey. Now, during my time with my ex, I hid my, my near death experience. I feared people judging me for it. And um, that's was a lot of my childhood. I didn't share it. I didn't open up about it, but now I was starting to live in it. And I recognize now that it's the best thing that ever happened to me. If you had told me that at the time, I would never have realized that I would never have believed it, but over the course of a few weeks, allowing myself to grieve, allowing myself to move more into being present and sitting in these meditations of light that were kind of given to me at the beginning of this, you know, I will say I do speak to beings of light and have since the time I came out of my coma. I, I don't speak to them per se, but they come to me in formations and they bring meaning and messages to me. And so I was open to that. If people are to take the lesson and say, you know, what is the good in this? Act as if I created this. Act as if I came here to learn this. That's the key. Yes, we're here to learn lessons. We came here to learn lessons. Why don't, let's embrace it as hard as it is. But that's one of the things that I share with my coaching clients. I say, act as if you created this. If you did create this, what do you think it's bringing to your life? Because sometimes these lessons also come over and over in life and it feels like we're just being hit on the head with the same lesson. And it, it's because perhaps we resist it instead of just saying, okay, act as if I created this. If so, what's the message? And then remembering to include your spirit guides and source in releasing the lesson. I believe that I have learned this lesson. I'm ready to release it. Imagine your panel of spirit guides and ancestors there waiting to celebrate. Send it to them. Let them take it from you. Let source energy take over. That's co-creating with source as well. Rather than seeing our lessons as suffering, what if we were to say, okay, I'm going to work with source to do this. I'm going to call source in. I'm going to release it to that bigger power. And then I'm going to trust right? Yeah, I think that's great. Yeah, that's kind of how I see it. <laughs> now, during your experience, you made the decision that you're going to be a music therapist. I think that's, yes. the way, I think that's, I'm not sure if that's the exact words you said. No, you were going to heal people with music. Yeah. Why do you think you thought that? Were you already a musician or how yeah. did that come to your consciousness at the time? Well, I'm not, I'm, I know that I, you know, my mother had me taking piano lessons as a child. I loved playing the flute, but at that point, I, I'm trying to remember like what age I was when I, so my near death experience happened when I was in sixth grade and I hadn't really learned the flute yet. I think I had only just learned it or something like that, but I took piano as a kid so I, I don't know that my, my gift was given to me then. And I knew it. And I think that I knew that I felt free in music and I already had a connection to it. Some definitely, mm -hmm. but making that choice, I poured myself into music, making that choice to heal people with music was when I really made the choice. Okay, well I'm, I'm going to do this. And I became very, I was very good at the flute and that was my undergrad um, I did it a little bit of on the music kind of performance track there. 
Um, but I knew though, even though I was doing performance and I poured my heart into the music and played piano and guitar and learned it later, I still knew that's not, I wasn't going to be performing. I was going to do something else, but I didn't know what until I learned that there's a thing called music therapy. And when I learned about that, I said, that's it. That's my career. I'm a hundred percent sure of it. So, um, and then my dad said, well, you have to, you have to get a backup degree because he'd never heard of it before. <laughs> and he said, you need a master's in psychology too. So the only one of two only universities in the country that had a dual master's was Naropa, this Buddhist university in Boulder and, and another school um, in the Northeast. And it was Boulder all the way. And then I saw a picture of Buddha on the wall as I was going up to meditation class for one of the first times. And he looked like the thin, bald man that was next to me in my near-death experience. And I'd never seen that depiction of him. I'd only seen the big belly Buddha. Um, so then I, it was a validation, right? Because my entire life from the near-death experience now is working in collaboration with Source. So when, I was, when I'm on a path, if, I get, if it unfolds, and it's meant to be. And I know that I'm following source. If I'm on a path and there are blocks at every turn, then I, I know that it's not the right path. And that's the hard one. That's a hard lesson too, to recognize, okay, this isn't the right path, but that's what we do. We can start down one and then move a different way. Also, everything happens for a reason. I got to remember that. I think about that from time to time. Yeah. 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 I found it fascinating when you spoke about how if you weren't coming back, then your father would not fulfill his purpose. And so how impactful your life is or yeah. would be for everybody else. And, and if, mm -hmm. it, if you weren't there, then, you know, big changes would happen. Yeah. You know, that, that was surprising. You know, I don't hear that very often and I don't know why it was such a big part, but I think that for me, if I were going to choose for myself in that moment, I would have chosen to stay. And only in choosing the opposite did I recognize the gift of living. And that that is such a gift because at the time I was, you know, oh, I'm in this moment. It feels good. I want to be connected. But again, we have purpose. We have meaning. And since my near-death experience I've at Naropa, I've had many experiences of looking at past lives. And that's something that I didn't, I don't believe I believed in before because it wouldn't have been in my history, but now I, that is part of what I believe. Um, I saw myself in many lives dying by a head wound, by a head injury. And I was told, this is your life to overcome it. This is your life to share it with the world and to help other people through your story. And so by sitting on my story for 20 years, really kind of letting it stay within me, I wasn't living my purpose. I was doing it a little bit because I always had my crystal singing bowls. I had the oils. I had the music. I was music therapying, but I wasn't doing the spiritual music therapy that I do now where we have workshops where people journey and I take them through the crystal bowls and we do a little breath work and we use the oils and we raise frequency and people lay there and journey and connect with their own higher self with messages or angels or loved ones that come through. Anything can happen because it's their journey. That's the other, another message. We are our own best healer. And we actually have all the answers that we need within us to find balance. 
And so sometimes we get so caught up in the thoughts, we can't find it. And my job is to bring people to that place of heaven through frequency, sound, uh, music, imagery, so that they can let the thoughts go and actually connect with the higher self and get the messages they need for their, their lives. And I'm so, so lucky to get to do this work. I can't even, I can't even tell you. It's just the most beautiful, profound, moving, honorable, wonderful work I've ever had. So I get to work in collaboration with Source all the time. It's wonderful. It sounds like you were not sharing your story until after you ended this relationship. Not as much. Yeah. Is that because he didn't like you sharing it or you felt embarrassed to share it? You know, I believe that he believed it. And that's one of the things he liked about me. But I didn't feel um, safe being myself. I felt for some reason, and I'm not going to say it's his fault. It's just the dynamic we were in because we met young. I didn't feel safe being my authentic self and didn't think I would be accepted. And the reason that I started and the I mean, if I told you all that happened right before the split, I think you'd be shocked. I got a call from a woman who saw my near-death experience on YouTube because I did share it one time in my early 30s at a, a Unitarian fellowship and it got onto the you know, near-death experience channel, whatever. She saw it and saved it for three years and she called me um, a month before the split And she said, can you come to a near-death experience conference on the East Coast in two weeks? And I said, I don't think there's any way. I have three kids and whatever, but it worked out. And um, I went there and I started sharing my story. And and a woman at the booth next to me, she knew what was happening. And she said, go home and write your husband a letter. All the things that you love about him, nothing negative, everything positive. And I wrote that letter because she gave me kind of a reading. I didn't know what was coming. I didn't know what was happening. The minute I signed my name to the letter, he said he wanted to talk. And had I not written that letter, I don't think I ever would have given him that. But after he you know, had the talk with me, I just gave him the letter. And then from that moment on, I received uh, some, some very spiritual books when I was at the conference. I received some, I felt like I was coming home. I was meeting with other people who'd had the same experience as me. I didn't feel alone anymore. I didn't feel weird or different. I felt like, oh, this this is a real community. I can share my story. I can be safe. And then the books had these meditations in there for me that got me through the whole thing. They were part of my healing through the split. So like just the fact that she called me then and then, I mean, it just, it, there's so much more too. And so many messages that come in the last 18 months about what's going on with the pandemic and what's happening with us as an evolution of spirit um, into this new age and this new earth and the golden age. This is a really beautiful time to be alive. And I believe that every one person on this planet that is here is meant to be here right now in this time for that reason. If you don't mind me asking this, and if, and I want to ask it delicately, you've had massive change after all this has happened. You're completely a diff- almost completely a different person, you could say. You're living your authentic self. You're, you know, a totally different woman. Yes. After all this, is it possible that your husband saw you as this new person and said, "Wow, she's a totally different person than I married. Now I want her back." <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it, I I don't know. It's 
I guess it, it was already over for you then. Then you, you there was no yeah. going back. Well, that was that was the other thing. The woman who told me this was coming, she said, "You have a beautiful life in front of you, and never look back." You know, uh, this is what's meant to happen. It's meant to be. And I do believe that it's meant to happen. But all of everyone who knows me and knew me then, they they look at pictures of me two years ago and say, I can't even believe that's you. You look like a totally different person. Um, And it is true. There's a different light about me now because I'm unapologetically living my life. And I think that if that's one lesson that people can come away with from this, that is the best lesson that I can give. That if you feel unhappy in your job. You don't have to stay there. You can create a life of your own and it will work out. It will. It it takes growing pains. It takes doing to learn. But why live our lives in this constrained, like constructed place where we're not being ourselves? You know, it's this is our life. Make the most of it. Live the most. Share your story. That's our gift. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah, it's changed everything about me. I'm a whole different person. <laughs> yeah. All right. You said you're still getting messages. Can you tell us more about that? Oh, my gosh. Yes. Okay. I'm going to tell you my most recent message because it, it has to do with frequency and the work that I do. I work in frequency. I work with essential oils. I share the value of them. People come to me to learn about them as well. They are frequency just as we are frequency. And the ones I use are the highest frequency substance on the planet without a doubt. I've tried them all. Um, But okay, so I was meditating and I was going to go to bed after meditating and I decided to pull out my phone as we do when we go to sleep, right? So I had finished, was looking at my phone and all of a sudden, and source comes to me in many different ways. Usually I can see beings of light. They have formations, but this time... Source was looking through my eyes at the phone, so it looked dimmer. It didn't look the way that we see it. It's very dim, very not 3D. Um, and, and that's how it started. So I started typing in my phone notes instead of you know going to sleep or playing a game, and I started to type these words. And I can share the words with you, but in a gist, kind of like the gist of it is that they experience they experience life through our sensory experience. So our sight, sound, smell, taste, touch, they don't have. And I say they, because that's what came to me. And I don't know that, you know, that that sounds strange, but they, they can experience it because they are vibration on a greater level. They are love. They are, oh, they are unconditional love and acceptance and wholeness. Right. But we hold a smaller frequency and we are necessary because by living through our sensory experience and our creative process, we're actually creating more vibrations that go out into the universe. And so if you think of source vibration as an orchestra, as a piece of music, it's this web of vibration. And we're like, think of the piccolo, like the higher sound, the higher pitches, I'm just throwing that out there where that sound would not exist if it were not for the piccolo player. And so we, as humans, we create vibration and frequency every time we create cook, clean, like a cook, teach art, music, any creative process, even communicating with each other, it's all vibration. And the more that we can bring ourselves into the present moment and live for source, as if they are living through us, as if source is living through us, that's the best way to explain it. 
because we hold source energy within. And that's the other piece that's even harder, I think, for people to grasp that we actually are source. We are. We are no different than source. And at the same time, we have these abilities to create and live and be present and have senses that then create a totally different frequency that goes into the overall, I guess, web of frequencies that are out there. So we're necessary. We are creating just as source energy creates for us. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So this whole message came through and I'll read you kind of the end of it because um, I don't know if I can find it because I put all these things in my notes. Um, It's just, it was just beautiful. And if I can find it, I will, because I don't want to (laughs) take, I don't want to take too much time. It says without us, there are no eyes to the universe. No, no eyes to the universe. Through us, they see. They can't see, but they are part of a greater collective. They are love, and it's glorious to live at that vibration. They don't have the gift of sight, sound, smell, taste. Our visual representation shows them what they create for us. And art, art is magical to them. We can actually create what we see, generating new wavelengths that the masters can't even create. We... We're created from vibration, and we create vibrations that were once thought impossible. And through this creation, we're able to continue the cycle. Yeah. Yeah, we're able to continue the cycle. We make the universe more vibrant, more rich, more infinite through this positive cycle of constantly creating vibration and growth. Hmm. And I was not in my body at the time. I was just typing. That's I. That's why it probably doesn't make a lot of sense. But it makes more sense than I thought it did. So you just kind of get these almost like a telepathic download of information or just a knowingness, and then you just start typing it? Sometimes. Sometimes I voice record it. Um, you know, I, I had a whole another download about twin flame energy. Mm-hmm. And this was at the beginning of COVID. Um, it was more than twin flame energy. I was told that we beings of light, those of us that are here, um, light beings that are that have come here to help and the planet, we came here voluntarily. And, you know, this may seem really out there, but we came here and we came into the human form to try and support humankind and, and make it good and help it evolve spiritually And we kind of got in this place where we were stuck in the frequency of the human condition. And so we haven't seen each other's soul bodies and light bodies in many, many lifetimes. And I was told that during COVID, there was a a spiritual opening, a window, and we could choose. We could choose whether we wanted to step into the new evolution of spirit, or we could choose to stay in human frequency. And as a collective, we chose to step into this new spiritual evolution. And sometime around the end of December, this shift happened. And we moved into a place of light and a new way of being. And now we recognize each other. And even if we don't knowingly recognize each other on a spiritual level, we do. So the beauty about that is that we can now, I don't know if you've noticed, but many people have noticed that negative people started moving out of our lives during COVID. Um, Energy workers are kind of calling this the COVID cleanse. And we found that even with my split, which happened before COVID, like before all the pandemic stuff, 
negative energies started to just move themselves out or we had to make choices and boundaries to protect our energy and and cut off negative energies from ourselves. And as that continued to happen, we became better and better at recognizing each other. Other, you know, and it's going to sound wild, but now we're called to collaborate with each other, called to work with each other. That's why, you know, we're seeing so many people pair up and do things together because we're stronger together than apart. And choosing love over fear has been the biggest part of this because there's so much opportunity for fear right now. And that again is a thought. That's a story that we place on what's happening. And we can choose to, to, to believe that story and live it. And maybe that's our journey this time. Or we can choose to live in love and light and focus on what we can do to help and how we can escape fear and not let fear run our lives. And that has been another really big message about COVID that came through. And that's what I'm writing in my book. I'm trying to share the things that are coming through for me now that seem to be collectively coming through for many, many people who work in collaboration with Source. I was thinking while you were saying that, that pairing up, maybe that's why I've been lucky enough to get so many guests. Yes, absolutely. Because you're sharing the message of hope. And that's one big thing that I learned from one of my mentors with my near-death experience as I started sharing the story. Because that whole idea of the spiritual opening, I, I shared that at a dinner party, that this is our choice. We can choose to step into the light and into the spiritual opening and move in. This was before we'd made it. Or we can, you know... Choose to not do it, and then we'll live many more lifetimes until we get there. It'll be a long time. Mm -hmm. And one of the dinner guests said, well, I don't like that. This is our last chance. I can't take that. And it upset him on a visible level. And I didn't tell my mentor about this at all, but she knows things. And she she knows. She called me the next day and said, I just want to remind you. And she lives across the world. Like, it's she doesn't even know. I was, she said, I just want to remind you that when you share your messages, be very conscious. You're, you're a person of light, of joy, of gratitude. Make sure that you're sharing it in a way that people understand that there's, there's hope. <laughs> and I said, of course, there's always hope. And so that was a big lesson for me too. And in, in the fact that I can choose, you know, right, to be scary, like, oh, we have this one last chance, or I can choose to say, you know, we have a choice and we always have a choice. It always comes down to choice. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's never going to change. We have free choice. All right. I'm going to go off on a little bit of a different subject here. You do music therapy, sound therapy. Um, Mm -hmm. I sometimes like to listen to different stuff, you know, like sometimes when I go to bed, I'll listen to binaural beats or I'll listen to music to relax. What I've been listening to lately is an Indian instrument called a tambura, which is usually Mm -hmm. the background drone instrument behind the sitar. Mm -hmm. But I can put it on playing it in a C or a C sharp or a D or an E or whatever. Are there certain notes that you found that Mm. um, do different things to our bodies? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, so if you, you can align different parts of your body with different pitches. So C would represent the base of the spine, the root. Um, The navel is D and then E, F, G, A, B. So going up, you can actually feel the vibration in your body. Um, and that's a gift that I had since waking up again as well, is that I, when I listen to music, I can feel it in my body. Oh, by the way, biggest part of the coma 
you know, the music that was playing at my bedside was, was Tchaikovsky. It was classical. It was part of a Disney movie, just to circle back to that. But um, yes, yes, yes. And there are different frequencies in which I believe certain organisms can't live in the body because I had Lyme disease as an adult. And as I started learning about crystal seeing bowls, the bowls I was drawn to were D, F sharp, and A first because I wanted the D and the A to make a perfect fifth in the body because that's perfect harmony in the body. And I found out later that um, A is one pitch and D that Lyme doesn't like. Hmm. And I did end up going into remission with Lyme disease using um, Western medicine, um, Eastern medicine, oils, and the bowls. And just my own practice because it was very much a spiritual journey as well. But absolutely, and that drone um, can also lead us into meditative states. And the binaural beats um, can really, that dissonance in the air can really activate spiritual awakening as well. So I use those with the bowls. And since then, I've gotten a C-sharp bowl to to pull the whole chord together, D, F-sharp, A, C-sharp. And then, you know, I've got a G handheld bowl. I have every kind of tonality in the body that I can. Um, F sharp is between F and G, which is heart and throat. And that can kind of bring both areas together, especially if you're having trouble um, speaking and manifesting your heart purpose on earth. And if you're looking for your, you know, your soul journey, I would pull the B in there as well. So there, yes. Yes, yes. (laughs) It's really fascinating. We start to learn about frequency and sound and hertz and megahertz. It's great stuff. And especially when we all hold a frequency ourselves. So when I use certain oils, my frequency rises. So joy, for instance, is the frequency of love in the body. And so when you place it on your heart, it can help with grief. It can help with um, opening yourself to love and self-love. And, you know, release is the frequency of releasing negativity. Um, Certain oils that are high in sesquiterpenes are very good for the brain. They move through the blood-brain barrier and through the neuron into the amygdala directly. Because of the sesquiterpenes, that's like frankincense, cedarwood, sandalwood. Um, These oils hold, when you combine them, there's a blend called brain power that holds the same frequency as the brain. And so that, for me, as a head injury survivor, is a crucial oil for helping me to think straight. Um, so many things like that that I've learned on a physical level, on a frequency level, and then a sound level. And that's why I have these groups on Facebook and Instagram, Music Therapy and Essential Oils on Facebook, where I teach people about that stuff. Just a plethora of research, you know, information about frequency. It's so cool. Well, while we're at it, what are the name of those groups? Well, on Facebook, it's um, Music Therapy and Essential Oils, like the and sign. And you can join that group and just, you don't have to say much. Just say, I heard you on the show. And then on Instagram, it's, um, it's also music therapy and essential oils, but it's all spelled out. And that has a little bit less. The group has more on Facebook. I have a, a practice where I will, um, I mostly do groups now. I prefer to do groups of people. We do breath work, sound healing in San Diego. And I have a website called Wellness Music Therapy. And then I've got, you know, a show on the Awake TV network. And then I've got a book coming out. So there's a lot of cool stuff that's coming up. But those, the best way to find me is on Facebook, honestly. Um, Instagram would be second. So, yeah. Are there general recommendations that people can do 
to just help themselves? I mean, it sounds a little more complicated than what you were talking about. And I don't mean complicated in a bad way, but is there general things that the average person can do to listen to or whatever that can be very helpful for them? Oh, absolutely. A couple of things you can do are, well, the easiest thing that I tell people to do if they can't do anything else is to take an oil in the morning, like this is Valor, and work on getting into the breath and then shifting your mindset. So this is a positive psychology technique because we're associating an aroma with an affirmation. So what I do, it could be something as simple as saying, I am loved, I am worthy. So I would use believe oil and say, I am worthy. And Valor oil and say, I am confident. And I can give you these affirmations. I've got them all listed out on my pages. But twice a day, you go into your breath, Take three to four deep breaths and say to yourself, I am loved, I am light, or whatever, I am enough. Whatever you need to say, it changes everything because it's engaging the amygdala. It's shifting you out of fight or flight. It can stay in the brain for up to two weeks. Um, And it, it brings you into that positivity of creating and telling yourself things. Another thing you can do on a deeper level is you can ask yourself the five questions. These came from the Course of Miracles, but I pair them with oils. There's something called the Freedom Sleep Collection, and you can get that, um, and I can get it for you at 24% off if you ever, if anybody ever wanted it. That's part of my gift is like this discount I can give. You ask yourself every day, where would you have me go? What would you have me do? What would you have me say? And to whom? And you're asking source to guide you. And the oils that come with it are valor, um, joy for your heart, uh, harmony, divine release. So you put oils on your feet. The valor goes on your feet. Where would you have me go? Heart. What would you have me do? What would you have me say? And to him. And so you're really placing the oils very intentionally and allowing that opening for source to come through with the answer for whatever you're struggling with. For me, it was about how do I get through this separation? That's when I started it. Like, how do I get through this? And I asked source and source continually delivered and gave me validation. So it's a powerful practice and it does bring you into that co-collaboration that we are talking about. And it, it really can change your life. It completely changed your life in a great way. <laughs> um, and then for music, um, you know, I think that classical music is very special. So I would say, you know, start with um, any music that makes you feel good and sit with that. But if you want to meditate on music, Go with classical. Give it a shot, you know. That's my two cents. Thank you for that. You are a busy woman. You've got the TV show. You've got, you're writing a book. You've got group classes. You've got anything else going on that you want us to know about? Oh, my gosh. Um, There's that TV show on the Awake TV network. I really, I mean, I just, I just want to, share the love and, and connect with people who are, who think the same way are interested in, in afterlife and what happens after, you know, we pass what's on the other side. So I just, I open that dialogue and invite people to the group so that they can kind of move into the light and light work themselves. And yeah, I'm just happy to connect in whatever way people want to. So I've got the book, I've got the groups, I'm most active there. And my book should come out next year, I think excited about it if people want to ask you questions can they do that on the facebook page totally that's where the 
questions are welcome. We have a whole team there to help answer, but I'm there every day, all the time, um, helping guide people. And, and that's kind of what comes with when people get the oils, I come with it. So I, I'm kind of a guide and I get you set up and I educate you and teach you the spiritual stuff and the physical stuff. So that's really where I'm focusing most of my energy It's where I feel like I can make the most impact and also where I can spread the most light in a quick and wonderful way. And then we do group sessions. We do group singing bowl workshops for free in that, in that page on Facebook to anybody who has the oils and um, yeah. So it's kind of where you can find me. Hmm. All right. Tell me about eucalyptus oil because I used to find the plant and I used to just love the way that plant smelled. Is there anything oh, special would, about that? Eucalyptus oil is incredible at opening airways. It's obviously really good for breathing, support, and all of that. Eucalyptus can include um, helping with spiritual transformation, bringing relationships into the light, including the relationship to the self, to others, to work, and the divine. It asks us to look at patterns that hold us back and help us see the ones that come forward when we are around family or if our buttons are being pushed. As we become aware of this, we're able to bring much-needed change and harmony to relationships. It's also a really important oil for grief work. We hold grief in the liver um, and in the stomach. So raven oil, which is a blend of eucalyptuses, has them all. Um, it does help to release sadness, grief. Um, so I would, I would choose that one. It's also really nice when used with believe oil because it kind of opens your heart and releases grief in order to let in what you need to move forward and believe in yourself. So that was a good one. Give me another one. Well, let me ask you this. <laughs> if you are attracted to certain scents, does that yes. mean you need them or not? Like if there's yes. like certain roses, I just love the smell. I think I'm in Texas too. I don't know if you're still in Texas. I love no, the way I'm in San Diego. Okay, I love the way I, I love the way cedar trees smell. For some reason, I don't know if it just reminds me of Texas or what. Oh, I tell you, I love the way Christmas trees smell. Those noble firs. Well, first of all, I mean, okay. So as a psychologist, I'm fascinated that oils can actually move through the neuron because it was not believed that anything could move through the neuron and only small molecule cell essential oils can. And this was actually part of a Nobel Prize winning study. Um, and then one of the scientists was Dr. Pamela Dalton, who now runs the Center for Manil, Center for Chemical Senses on the East Coast. And she does research into the brain. Um, only certain oils, like young living oils can do that. They can move through the neuron. So when you're attracted to an oil or you or a smell or you hate a smell, okay, it's your body communicating with you that you need it. So some people like I did not like the smell of joy. It was very floral and too much for me. I didn't like it when I first smelled it. My body had such a strong reaction that I knew I needed to use it. And now it smells completely differently to me. So if you have a strong reaction, good or bad, to an oil, that's a high quality, high molecule spiritual oil, like a young living oil, that is a sign to you that you need it. And what we tell people to do is if you don't like the smell of a young living oil at first, put it in your pocket unopened and wear it in your pocket all day, then smell it at the end of the day, it will have assimilated with your energetic field and will smell different to you. And that is kind of a fascinating little tidbit there. So. That is interesting. Yeah. All right. Now, what is the name of your website? Well, 
My website, which I don't go to often and haven't updated, is wellnessmusictherapy.com. I mostly do my work, though, through Facebook and Instagram. You can email me at um, it's ellen at wellnessmusictherapy.com. But eventually I'm going to be getting that website all going and get it updated with my most current stuff and with oils and everything. But mostly you can find me on Facebook or email. Okay, great. All right. Well, before we finish up, do you have one last positive message that you can share with everyone? I think the big message is that we have more power than we recognize. I think as humans, we feel like we're victim to circumstance when we actually have all the power. It's how we think about and the story that we tell ourselves that shape our reality. So the more you can get into the present moment and release negative thoughts and move them out of your existence, replace them with positive thoughts, the more powerfully dynamic, exciting, and beautiful your life will be. That's a great message. Ellen, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate you. I wish you massive success in whatever you're doing and have a great evening. You too. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks so much. Mm-hmm. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.